Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What are you working on to kick off the brand new year? Are you probably just exhausted? Hey, is your house exhausted? It occurs to me that if you're stressed out from all of this holiday magic that we've just gone through, your house is probably equally stressed out because when you have the holidays, you quickly identify the choke points in your house, right? Like the bathroom toilet doesn't always flush or the kitchen's too hard to work in. And that usually translates into a lot of projects that you want to get done as the new year starts to kick in. So if those projects are on your to-do list, give us a call. Let's talk through them. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Coming up on today's show, if the new year has you just starting out in your first home or apartment, but you don't have the budget to spruce it up, we're going to have tips for a makeover that requires little to absolutely no cash. Plus, winter has officially arrived. Can your water pipes stand up to these frosty temps? Well, we're going to share some tips to help avoid the hassle of freezing pipes coming up. Plus, we've got a solution for doors that stick, which is a very annoying problem that doesn't really have to be. We'll tell you how to make it go away once and for all. But first, let's kick off the new year with your questions. So give us a call right now at 888-MONEYPIT or post your question right now to the Money Pit's community page at moneypit.com. Nancy from Illinois is on the line with a question about a soffit. How can we help you today? Actually, I inherited a house that from a, a relative that was built in 1960, so it has soffits above the cabinets. I still have the original kitchen. I mean, everything, the floor, the counters, the appliances. You know, I know that in all the newer construction, they're using uh, either cabinets that go from all the way to the ceiling or they have a, a, a an empty space up there where people can display things. I have a lot of dust allergies, and I'm also a senior citizen, and so I don't think I want that empty space up there that's going to collect dust. I don't want to have to be dealing with dusting that all the time and climbing up on a ladder. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out, Yeah, do you think soffits will ever come back, or is the answer <laughs> just you have cabinets that go all the way to the ceiling knowing that... Um, I'm probably never going to use those top shelves. Well, actually, there is a way for you to use those top shelves because um, there are ways that you can bring those shelves down to stack things on them and put them back up. There's cabinet designs where the entire shelf contents pulls out and drops down. It sort of hinges down, and then it goes back up. Uh, there are accessible design options that are made by a bunch of different manufacturers, so it is possible to even have high cabinets and be able to use that that space if that's uh, a need for you. I've got two torn rotor cuffs in both shoulders, so I'm not even supposed to be reaching up high. So I don't know how difficult it is to get those shelves, you know, to drop down. Usually there's a, a handle that's sort of like shoulder height where you reach out right in front of you and pull it towards you, and then that whole thing drops down from there. Oh. It's all on springs, so oh. it supports itself. Called Reva Shelf, R E V A Shelf, and their system is simply called a cabinet pull down shelving system. So, so that type of system is available. The cabinet is basically completely empty, and then the shelving system is put in, and then again you reach out, you pull it towards you, and it drops down. And these things are strong enough where you could have like canned goods on every single shelf, and it's still going to hold it. So, that's an option for you. The other thing is, I, I think the dated part of the soffits, Leslie, and you correct me because you're the decorator here. 
here okay. is where the soffit extends past the kitchen cabinet. But you could sort of have a flush soffit that sort of is flush with the with the front of the kitchen cabinet that wouldn't give you that sort of ugly overhang, right? Mine is, is flush. Okay, well the then maybe cabinet. you ought to think about just keeping it the way it is and painting it um, to sort of blend. I mean, I like having the soffit because then it just fills that space. So then you're not thinking about putting stuff up there, (laughs) which then be, Mm -hmm. you know, then it's just a dust collector. So if you're going to get rid of the soffit, you really need to think about like, what is the purpose of that space above it? Am I just extending the cabinet higher? Am I, you know, putting in some glass, something that makes it purposeful? But I'm telling you with these cabinet pull downs that Tom has mentioned, they operate smoothly. They really are helpful. I mean, any person can have one regardless of abilities so it really will make your life so much easier and is that spelled r-e-v as in victor or r-e-b as in boy r-e-v as in victor rev a shelf like rev your engine like revolving shelf like that kind of thing okay well that's that's going to be exciting for me to check out um my other um question that i was going to be asking was you know as a an aging senior that has some macular degeneration that um, is the slow-developing kind, but still I know what's coming because relatives have had this and lost vision. Would you recommend um, contacting an architect, or uh, is there a certain type of contractor that would be good to help me design um, this new kitchen? So to design your kitchen, you might want to use the services of a certified kitchen and bath designer. That's a designation that is sought through the National Kitchen and Bath Association. Guys that have the certified kitchen and bath design designation are very, very uh, competent at designing kitchens and bathrooms that meet those uh, specific needs that you mentioned. Well, I appreciate all this good advice. Thank you so right. much. Good luck with your project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Mike on the line who's got a drain issue. What's going on at your money pit? House built in 1999. It's on a septic, which is actually part two of my question. And the kitchen sink, I don't know, about five months ago or so, started draining slowly. And so I, I'm i not actually on a direct vent. It has a vent, um, what do they call it? I just pulled it off, a mini vent underneath the sink because it's, it's like on an inside island or what have you, so there's no vent stack. Okay. And... Um, so I took the mini vent off, brought it to Home Depot or wherever, and I uh, replaced it with another one, thinking, well, maybe it got clogged or what have you. And it still is draining slow. Now, when I un- if I have a sink full of water and I undo the vent, it will actually drain quickly. Yeah, I think you're talking about it. You're calling us a mini vent. I think you're talking about an air admittance valve. Okay. Basically, an under under sink vent when you don't have a space for a roof vent, you have one of these air admittance valves. And and you tried two of them and it's still not working well. Well, the one the one yeah the one started slowing down. It worked fine before, and then when I took that off and put it, it, but then over time it slowly slowed down, and so I took that off and put the new one in. I guess my question is, can I extend that higher? Because right now it's about I don't know four or five inches below the sink, so I have enough room okay. where I could put like a four inch piece of PVC a little bit higher. I'm wondering if that would help bring it in. Yeah, it really shouldn't make a difference. Now, I wonder if there's another way you could get to this vent. Because, you know, sometimes you can vent through the floor joist and over to the wall and intercept with the vertical vent there. It doesn't always have to go straight up from the kitchen. Okay. Because sometimes what you do is you take the drain from the kitchen sink, right? And 
where it turns down to drain the water, you sort of go up in sort of a U-shaped pipe, then go back down again, and then across the floor joist and join the vent and go up. You kind of create this venting loop um, that could let more air in. Have you talked to a plumber about uh, other possibilities? I haven't yet now. No, we just wait an extra two minutes and then it goes down. But um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, sooner or later, you're going to get really annoyed with all that time. And I also wonder if maybe you could step it up and put a bigger um, air admittance valve in, too. Well, that was the other thought was, you know, right now it's an inch and a half, um, but it's right on top of the drain. So, for instance, that's almost like a W. I got the, the dishwasher coming in one, the sink in the other, and then this air admittance valve just above it. So, again, the thought was if I could extend that W, the center one, a little bit higher, but it sounds like that won't make much of a difference. I don't think it will. So what's your septic question? Um Garbage disposals, yay or nay? Um, there are disposers that are specifically designed for septic systems, and the difference is that they they grind the food up into a finer particulate. And I think if you if you do that, you'll be fine. Okay, perfect. Well, then I'll talk to my plumber for both issues. All right. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now, you can call in your home repair, your home improvement question, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, you'd like your new place to look good, but your budget's already strained? Well, how about a little creative brainstorming? We've got some ideas to get you started after this. You live in a money pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here for you. So what's going on in your Money Pit? What are you planning to do in the new year? What are you planning to decorate, to repair, to build, to fix? Give us a call right now. We will give you some advice to help you get that project done as quickly and efficiently and inexpensively as possible. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT. Darlene in Arizona, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Remodeling a bathroom into a laundry room because there was no laundry room there and three bathrooms. <laughs> so um, I put the stick-on linoleum squares on the floor, which was probably a mistake, but 
it's all down, and now I notice on the edges it's starting to you know, like pull up just a little bit. It's fine in the middle, but around the edges. And so I was wondering, um, should I use a silicone around, you know, like kind of pull them up a little bit, put silicone around there, or like a, a water-based sealant of some kind? I just didn't know quite what to do if, if uh, we put the washing machine in there and there was a leak, and, and then I was afraid the whole floor would come up or something. So do you think if you kept pulling the tiles, they would all come up completely? I think the reason why the sides are maybe the floor isn't quite even on the you know, on the edges or something. I'm I'm just thinking that maybe it wasn't quite even and you know, it's not every every side but just part of it right where the washer is going to be as a matter of fact. Well, look if if you were to be able to lift up those edges and add a add a tile adhesive underneath that. Um, a regular floor tile adhesive, the kind of tile adhesive that you would use if you're laying down these vinyl tiles from scratch, and then you weighted it um, while it dried, that would probably be the best chance you got of preventing it from coming back up again. But i got to tell you that it's been my experience that once these seams start to go, you fix one and two more pop up. So this might be something you're, you're chasing. And if it's only a small area... What you could also consider is basically replacing the vinyl floor with laminate floor. You know, just a, a small amount of laminate flooring won't be that expensive, and it can be laid down right on top of that vinyl floor. Laminate floors will float. They don't need to be attached. They sort of lock together, and they will lay down on top of that. You know, you'd put a saddle in where you, like, hit the doorways and that kind of stuff, but that would give you a really durable floor. You wouldn't have to worry about it. Well, that'd be better than pulling it all up. That's a good idea. Thank you very much. Well, if you're just getting started in perhaps your first home or apartment or you know somebody that is, you're probably on a really limited budget. But there are ways to stretch that budget along with your creative muscles and create a place you'll be proud to call home just by repurposing what you have or perhaps some items that you might collect from friends or family. Yep, and that first step is to experiment with what you already have. You know, why not have some fun just moving things around or even pulling something from one room and, you know, giving it a test drive in another room? If you experiment with creating those little vignettes, I'm talking about those groups of three or five items, really you do that and it creates this amazing little look. And you can do that on a side table or on a chest or on a dresser or anything that's what I call a vignette. When we're talking about that, you can make those all around your house. Now, the key here, guys, is to not worry about matching. Designers, all of us out there, for the most part, we don't like sets of furniture. We like to mix and match. It gives the room personality. It makes things feel homey. And it really makes it feel like you've curated this look over time. So don't be afraid to mix and match the way the pieces look. Now, you can even carry this idea into your bedroom by buying single sheets, different pillowcases, shams, all of that stuff. Find things on sale that you like and then create a custom look for your bed by mixing and matching those colors and patterns. And it's really going to suit your personality and look fantastic. You also might want to think about using baskets. I mean, these are great for storage in small spaces and the woven designs and the texture of baskets, they really add kind of a warmth, especially in an apartment where you often have these white or very off-white walls. You can find them at off-price stores. You can find vintage baskets in different sizes and shapes at flea markets. But bottom line, with a little imagination and a willingness to kind of bend those decor rules a bit, there's no reason why you can't decorate your home or apartment on a really tight budget. 
it and make it a place you're going to love coming home to. For more tips, just search Budget Decor on MoneyPit.com. William's on the line with a gutter question. What's going on at your Money Pit? Hi. We recently purchased a home that is surrounded by a lot of pine trees. So I'm getting a lot of pine needles on my roof and in my gutters. And it's only been a few weeks, and already I'm tired of climbing up there to clean them. Do you have any suggestions for keeping them off the roof and keeping the gutters flowing? Well, we can't fight gravity, so you're going to always have them on your roof. Um, I will give you a couple suggestions. First of all, as you probably know, there's a wide range of gutter covers out there. And the type that are sort of screen-like are the type that are most likely to clog uh, because the, 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 the pine needles will lay across the top to get stuck in there. Um, and you'll just be very miserable. What I think the best type is the ones that are, are continuous gutter covers that go all across the top of the gutter where the pine needles have a chance to actually wash over the top and let the water fall in through the principles of surface tension. Now, the bad news is that those are expensive. They're so expensive that you may find that re- removing your traditional 4-inch gutters and replacing them with 6-inch gutters, which will not clog with pine needles because everything is much bigger. The throats for the downspouts are bigger. The gutters are bigger. They can take more water, more flow, might be uh, the best way to go. So that's kind of your option. I would either use a gutter cover that covers the entire top of the gutter, or I would take out the 4-inch gutters, and I would put in 6-inch gutters, which is what I did at my house, uh, and just never look back. Okay. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Kayla in Iowa, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Just got married and moved into a new home, and it already had a Honeywell whole home humidifier installed in it. And um, it seemed like a dream come true. I thought it was going to be amazing. But um, we have 100-amp service, and every now and then our breaker will trip. And um, I, you don't even know downstairs unless you're down there. And um, I've gone down a couple times, and it was, the basement is flooded, and it floods like... Um, over into the other room, like into the where I eventually want to lay carpet and have like a family room. Is that because the dehumidifier uh, condensate pump stops working? I'm not sure what it is. There's like an overfill um, thing for it, and I'm assuming it's supposed to lead to a drain, but the drain is in um, the laundry room, which is in the opposite direction. Okay, so when everything is working correctly, this dehumidifier is going to take moisture out of the air, drop it into a reservoir, which you either have to empty or it will pump out somewhere. Usually, if it's got a condensate pump associated with it, it can pump up sort of against gravity, and there's a clear plastic tube that goes out and leads to a drain somewhere or even outside the house. If you have a power failure, you know, it's not going to work. Um, and it might um, actually start to leak maybe back into that room where you are. Of course, the dehumidifier is not working at that time, so it's not going to leak for long, but I could see how it could create a bit of a puddle. So your problem is not so much with a dehumidifier, but why you're having a problem uh, popping these breakers. Now, 100-amp service is uh, service is actually a pretty darn good service, and it, it frequently doesn't get the respect it deserves when these breakers pop it's not usually because you're pulling more than 100 amps because whatever circuit you have on this particular dehumidifier on is uh, needs to be improved perhaps by adding an additional circuit 
but the service for the house should be fine. Okay. Um, it does have the clear hose that leads outside. That's what's going on. When your power goes out, the pump stops working, and that's why it's leaking. Okay? So focus on getting uh, this plugged into a circuit that is a little bit bigger than what you have right now. An electrician could, could help you sort this out, but it's not a big deal to add an additional circuit just for that device. All right. Sounds good. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Up next, winter is here. Can your pipes, though, survive the cold? We're going to give you some easy and inexpensive ways to keep them from freezing when we return. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Happy New Year. We're here to help you take on those home improvement resolutions that you want to get done. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Byron in Arizona is on the line and has a question about a log home. How can we help you? I am planning on building a, a log cabin kit. And uh, eight-inch logs were in very cold climate, uh, 7,400 feet elevation, and uh, wondering uh, if I need to insulate the inside of the logs or if the logs will give enough thermal mass to insulate the house itself. Well, you mentioned you're going to be in a very cold climate, and generally if you're building a log a home in a very cold climate, uh, most people will insulate those logs. And typically that's done by adding furring strips 
and then some sort of a sheet insulation like uh, an isocyanurate insulation or a Dow foam board type insulation. And the other advantage to doing that is it makes the wiring a little bit easier. You don't have to drill the logs to run the wires. You can uh, use that insulation space to also run all your wiring. Okay, yeah, I, I, we were hoping to keep the log uh, logs exposed just for looks, but we might be able to do that by some on the outside of the furring strips with some planks or something. Well, I think it will be warmer if you insulate them, but I mean, let's if if you want to just leave it raw for now, you could always go back and do the insulation later. I mean, those logs are going to have you know some thermal mass to them, especially since they're eight inches thick. But I think generally the building practice would be in, in a very harsh climate to try to insulate the inside of those walls. I think I'll take your advice and insulate and then, like I say, use some wood planks to make it look more like log on the inside. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thank you very much for your assistance. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, anyone who has had to deal with this problem can tell you frozen broken pipes, they are one expensive headache, especially if it happens while you're not home. But the good news is there are a few easy things that you can do to keep them from freezing in the first place. Yeah, on those really super cold nights, guys, you want to open the door to any of those under sink cabinets that are on the outside walls of your home. And that's most often your kitchen cabinets and your kitchen sink. That's going to let the warm air in and that will really prevent it from becoming a freezer, which will then lead to those frozen water lines. I mean, that's a simple step anybody can do. Next, you want to bundle up those pipes just like you do perhaps with a winter coat. You can wrap insulation around the pipes and especially in those that are in unheated crawl spaces and attics and basements. There's a couple of different types of insulation. They have the foam tubes that are very easy to use. There's also fiberglass tubes or there's fiberglass pipe wrap, which is kind of like a wide roll of three or four inch wide roll of thin fiberglass insulation that you can wrap over and over and over. I personally think that the tubes are the easiest thing to use, either the fiberglass, which kind of does a better job in super cold places than the foam, but either one's going to do a good job. Yeah. And the foam is so easy. You know, it's split down the middle and it just goes on so simply. Now, the next place is your crawl space and basements. They can get a lot of drafts in those spaces, and that can freeze any of those uninsulated pipes in a matter of really just a few hours. So once you find those drafts, consider using expanding foam. I mean, that's a sealant. It will really seal things off very well. And then close those crawl space vents during the coldest months. That will help a lot. And make sure you always keep your heat above 55 degrees all winter long. Shutting off or lowering those unused heating zones can possibly cause water and heating lines to freeze in the walls, in the ceilings. And if you go away for any extended period of time, please, please just turn off your main water valve. There's really no reason to leave it on. And if you do, you'll be completely protected against the possibility of not a frozen pipe, because that could still happen, but a pipe break. You don't want to come home and see water rolling out your front door to meet you in the driveway. Janice in South Carolina, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Uh, yes, I have bought a new outside storage shed type building. You know, you get it at the big box stores. And I wanted to know how you can, what's the best way to treat the exterior wood to keep it lasting longer? And also maybe the inside, the wood inside, the best thing to do for it. Is it made of pressure treated lumber, Janice? Um, they call it, Well, it's got lumber on the trim and then the other, they call that smart siding. And that's the, you know, the side of the walls and stuff are small on the outside, smart siding. Okay. So has it been painted? No, no, it's, it's just raw wood. Okay. So what we would do is we'd recommend that you prime it first. And I guess you have an option to paint it or stain it depending on how the siding actually looks but you want to prime it first 
And then after you prime it, then you could add a couple of coats of either good quality exterior paint or good quality exterior stain. You don't necessarily have to do anything to the inside as long as it's watertight, but I would definitely work on the outside uh, before it gets any colder out. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Just ahead, a door that sticks can be pretty annoying. The fix, though, doesn't have to be. We'll tell you how after this. You live in a money pit. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Welcome back to the program. Happy New Year, everyone. If you've got a project that you're working on or a problem that's developed with your house full of all of those holiday guests that are hopefully just about left by now, you can give us a call at 1-888-MONEYPIT. We'd love to talk with you about what's going on and help you get the job done. Alan, New York has a roofing question. What can we do for you? I'm wondering uh, since my roof blew away. What's the progress on the uh, solar-powered roof shingles? You say your roof blew away. What happened, Al? Uh, well, it's old. It's old, like 40-year-old asphalt on top of cedar shingles. Then a little storm here and there. We got $18 from FEMA. Okay. <laughs> we got 8000 8000 from the insurance company, which is owned by the bank. All right. Well, listen, at least you got something towards it. But listen, if you're, if you're asking me, are solar shingles uh, to the point now where I would recommend them, my answer would be no. I think there's solar panels that I'm very comfortable with. But solar shingles, I, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about their durability and their longevity. And every time I've evaluated them and seen them at, say, uh, you know, building trade expos and things like that, I found that the warranties on these things don't even come close to the warranty on an average roof. So I'm concerned about how long they're going to last and, and what it would take to replace them. They're very, very expensive as well. So um, I'm not um, a proponent of solar shingles yet, although perhaps that can change in the future. Now, as to your roofing project, you mentioned that you have asphalt singles, shingles on top of cedar shingles. I actually had a very similar roof. Because I have a very old house that was built in the 1800s, and uh, just about two years ago, we took off uh, that original layer of of cedar shingle, which had been covered by asphalt shingles over the years, and it was in amazingly good condition. But we pulled it off, and then we resheathed the roof. So this this particular type of roofing project is an expensive project because usually cedar shingles are on top of furring strips, and you have to put plywood down over those furring strips to do it right. Your option is, of course, just to pull off the asphalt shingles and put another layer on top of the of the cedar, um, and you'll get more years out of it. Uh, but it won't lay, you know, as flat, clean, and, and nice as it should if it was on uh, proper sheathing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know all that. Uh, the local the local code is uh, you're gonna have to go down to the uh, rafters, which means you're gonna build up existing furring strip and the, the existing, you know, the thicknesses. Well, what I would do is I would leave the furring strips in place and attach the plywood right to that. That's that's going to be a little less work. And, uh, you know, with an old house, it doesn't make sense to pull those off. Just leave those and put the plywood right on it. Al, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you've got a sticking door, it can go one of two ways. You can either put up with it, letting that little annoyance build up over time, or you can resolve it once and for all. We here at the Money Pit are advocates of that second approach. So here's what you need to know. 
Definitely. And the first thing you need to understand is why doors stick. Now, most doors are made of wood, so the best way to understand the sticking door problem is to think of a sponge. When the sponge is dry, it's small, it's compact, it's hard. But what happens when it gets moist? It swells up to its full size, but becomes just a little bit softer. And that is exactly what happens to your door. As it swells and dries out, either extreme can cause it to stick. In fact, I know people where one spot sticks in the winter and another spot sticks in the summer. You know, it's a year-round problem. It really is. But here is how you fix it. So your first task really is to find exactly where that stick begins. You can discover this by slowly opening and closing the door and make a note of where the door is in relation to the frame when it starts to stick. If you want a visual guide, guys, think about when you go to the dentist and they make you bite down on that ink paper and they're like, oh, see where things are rubbing together? Let's do this with your door. So take a piece of chalk, color the door where it seems to be sticking, and then open and close the door a bunch of times. Now that chalk mark is going to transfer to the exact point where the sticking door touches the jam, and it can easily be wiped off without a trace. You don't have to worry about the chalk. You have to worry about the sticky part. Now, to actually make the repair, there's two methods, so we'll call them easy and slightly harder. (laughs) First, you want to tighten the hinges. Now, if the door opens on the right and sticks towards the top, the, the most likely culprit could be the opposite hinge. What happens is the hinges get loose, and think about it. As the hinge loosens, the door slides away from the hinge. So to fix that, you might just need to tighten up the screws that are there, or sometimes it's best to pull the screws out of the hinge and put in a longer screw that goes through the door jam and into the frame that's inside the wall. That can tend to pull that door over, and it might be all you need to do to fix it. Now, if that's not the case, then you have to resort to sanding. So once you've identified that spot that sticks, as Leslie just explained, you want to basically work on sanding that spot down. Now, I wouldn't just sand it down until it closes without sticking. I would go a little bit further because what's going to happen is it may swell up again, or as you put the paint and finish on, that's going to develop a little bit of of a thickness to it. So I would make sure it clears, then go a little bit more so that you pretty much have it all out of the way. Then you need to seal it or paint it so that it all matches and And once you do that, you should be good to go. It's definitely worth spending a half hour, an hour on this project and then never have to worry about that problem again. Ronnie in Maryland's on the line and has a question about a paintsicle. You know, when a gallon of paint freezes and you wonder if you can still use it. Welcome, Ronnie. How can we help you? Uh, Yes, I was wondering if I have some uh, latex paint that was out in the garage. I live in a part of Maryland here where things freeze up. I was wondering if the paint was still good when it's frozen, and if it is frozen, how I find out if it was frozen or not. All right. So is it currently frozen? Do you know, has it been frozen only once, or have you had it like a year or two, and it's probably frozen a couple of times? Uh, I have no idea how old it is. It was actually, I bought a house, and there's lots of gallons of leftover paints that were in the garage. You not only have, <laughs> have frozen paint, you have old frozen paint that could have had a long history to it. I mean... Uh, the short answer is a definite maybe. I mean, I think that if you ask the manufacturers, honestly, they'd say no, but I think we've all used some frozen paint before. I mean, they're, they're brand new cans of paint. I open up, I can see that they're separated a little bit, but that's why I didn't know if they were actually good or if they were bad. If I mixed them back up, they were good? Or Well, I mean, here's the deal. I would start by bringing the paint indoors, let it get to room temperature, and then stir it. If it stirs and starts to go creamy, then it's probably okay. If it still looks lumpy, then I'd say no. Um, You know, the issue is that 
latex paint has a large quantity of water in it. So obviously that's going to freeze and cause things to separate. And then you might end up with problems with adhesion and peeling and perhaps color not matching. That's what I thought. If there was any lumpy stuff that might have been, I could run into a cheesecloth or something like that. No, you wouldn't want to. If it's if it's lumpy or cottage cheesy looking in any kind of way, that just means that all of the you know additives that cause it to adhere have completely separated and are not sort of going back into the paint itself. So I wouldn't strain it off because then it's just truly not going to stick. So if it's separating like that, chuck it. But if you mix it and it looks creamy and it seems okay, I'd give it a go. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if making New Year's resolutions is something you dread, instead of making promises to yourself, you might want to consider making resolutions that are a lot easier to keep, those that will help improve your home. We're going to tell you what to resolve to do in the new year that's going to save you money, help keep your home humming, and are a lot easier to keep after this. Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Thanks so much for spending this hour with us. If you've got a question about your home, give us a call right now at 888 Pit. If you want to decorate your apartment, we'd love to chat with you about that too. Now that it's getting pretty chilly outside, perhaps you've got some questions on how to save some money on the heat. Whether it's a home or apartment, we've got great solutions. That number again, 888 Pit. All right, and I've got a post here from Bobby in New Jersey who's looking for a solution. Now, Bobby writes, I'm excited about my new high-efficiency washer, but not about the part in the manual that says I might need to reinforce the floor beneath it. What's that all about? (laughs) Yeah, right? Congratulations on your new washer. Now you need a contract. (laughs) Well, I mean, for the most part, you don't have to reinforce your floor, Bobby. But if you have a really old house, I guess it's possible. And I think what the manufacturer is kind of warning against is that these machines, even they're extremely efficient, they spin crazy fast. And because they spin really fast, if the floor isn't stable... What can happen is it can start to oscillate, and that would be really bad for the machine and probably for your clothes as well. Now, there is a solution to stop a machine that does tend to oscillate or shake a little bit. They're called anti-vibration pads. They're like rubber blocks that you put under each leg of the washer, designed specifically to kind of take the shake out. But I will tell you this, the most important thing to know when you put in a new washer, and especially a high-efficiency one, is it absolutely positively must be level. If it's not level, it just is not going to work. Yeah, but your clothes are going to come out of those washers so much less wet, and they will dry super fast. So you're going to be really happy with that new washer. Well, every New Year's, Americans promise to lose weight and save more money. But most of us don't realize our homes could be doing this for us. And with a few simple changes around the house, you might find that you can expand your space, save money, and make your home a healthier, better living environment all at the same time. Leslie will explain how in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, let's think about this for a second. First, I'm going to say a resolution that you might associate with yourself, and then we'll talk about how we can put it towards your home. So let's say your New Year's resolution is to go on a diet, which I feel like my resolution is always to go on a diet, and then somehow I eat more donuts. So that just doesn't work. (laughs) So if your New Year's resolution is to go on a diet, let's think about how you could apply that to your house. You could declutter the room. 
rooms. Crowded spaces at home are really hard to work in. They're hard to clean. They're hard to focus in. You can really have a difficult time focusing your energy on productive projects if your house is all cluttery. Now, how about getting in shape? I feel like this goes hand in hand with a diet, but if you're like, I swear, I'm going to go to the gym. Think about this. Let's get your house in shape. Lack of maintenance is the number one cause of deterioration in homes today. So even if you don't have a lot of time for home care, small maintenance jobs done now can save thousands of dollars later. So make a list of important maintenance jobs that need to be done each season. For example, in January, it's too cold to work outside. So take this time to look over your plumbing systems for leaks, things like that inside the house. Now, if your resolution is to save some money or perhaps stay on a budget, Think about your home. If you lower your energy usage, you're going to do that right there. Small fix-ups like improving your insulation, caulking around windows, or sealing any gaps around outlets and light switches that are on the exterior wall can dramatically reduce the cost to heat and cool your home. So start there. I'm going to give you guys a pass on all the things related to your personal being, and let's do all the resolutions to our home instead and really just have a really wonderful 2018 that we can stand by and be proud. Let's go ahead. Grab that bowl of ice cream. It's go. The donut. (laughs) This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Coming up next time on the program, the old incandescent light bulbs are quickly becoming part of history. But as we move more and more towards the energy efficient LEDs, we're discovering that not all LEDs deliver the same kind of light. We'll tell you how to find the best bulbs for your space on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.